We, Sonia, and Januni are a couple of pals studying science in undergrad. We are not professionals. Though every episode is meticulously researched, mistakes do happen. If you notice that anything, and we mean anything, we state is inaccurate, please let us know. Your comments, suggestions, and queries are important in furthering our personal and audience's understanding of science. Thanks for being a part of this discussion. We appreciate you. We really do. Bop, bop. Beep, bop, bop. Bada bum bum bum. Let that roll a little bit. What are you doing? Oh, yeah, you're doing a vlog. Why are the camera so stupid? Um, anyways, I think it's time we start. Oh, is <laughs> it from the beginning? Can we restart? No, we'll, yeah. we'll roll with it. Good. Um, anyways. Hi, I'm Sonia. I'm Janooni. <laughs> That's Janooni. And um, this is Beaker Bros, a video slash podcast. Cast, yeah. Right? Yeah. About um, science communication. We're both really interested in research as two undergraduate science students here at McMaster. Because of the um, pandemic, there hasn't been a lot of opportunity specifically in science communication. So we thought, hey, why not start this? channel slash podcast we don't really know how we're going to be posting moving forward but it will definitely be here yep. on youtube at least i hope so yeah unless something happens to <laughs> YouTube, we'll be here every friday, we'll be here every friday. <laughs> um but yeah. yeah so for today's topic we want to talk about something that's very important to us and just people in general because if you don't have it like you'll it's, it's not a good thing and that is men- my depression. <laughs> <laughs> Today, no. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about like everyone's depression. Yeah. Just like mental health in general. Just the topic of mental health. It's no laughing ma- matter. No. The way that Janouni brought it up, it is very funny. The way I coped it is yeah. funny. Uh-huh. It's how, yeah. Uh-huh, you're I, sad. I, I'm joking. I make you I like to deal with my sadness by making jokes. Okay, that's yeah. good. I'm glad you're coping. That's the word. <laughs> coping. Um But yeah, especially with the pandemic, we think it's a very important topic to explore mm-hmm. and kinda, you know, raise awareness in a sense too. Yeah, because I don't know about you, but wasn't necessarily as bad as I know a lot of my peers have endured, mm. but uh, just the effects of isolation. Like, I consider myself a relatively introverted person, but, yeah. like, I still like meeting people. No. I still like talking. I yeah. still like doing all that stuff. No, yeah. I like walking on campus. At first, I took that, like... As, For granted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved walking on campus and just seeing random people. Not mm-hmm. talking to them, not waving at them, just seeing them and just, like, being, like, what, less than two meters with yeah, that barrier that, yeah, yeah like that just feeling like the fact that we have like this invisible murderer floating in the air well it's not really fl- it's suspended in droplets that's it, like we're, we're getting scientific here guys like it's, <laughs> it's not airborne if it was we would be in a lot worse position but like the fact that there's this thing that's posing a barrier between us all it, mm-hmm. it inevitably creates a lot of isolation yeah and that's very yeah but um before i like um, we dive into what have you found, Jamie? Well, so Sonia, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, well, so actually, CAMH, so like the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, they did um, like a survey of like what Canadians 
were reporting about their mental health and like even substance abuse during the pandemic. So they did six national surveys, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so they did six of them. So from like May till like December. And the way they did it was pretty cool. So there's about like 24% reporting that they have anxiety. Um, 23% reporting that they felt lonely and 21% reporting that they're depressed. I know it's like not like a big number, like you would assume like 80%, but still like take into fit like just take into account like how many people there are in Canada yeah. right that's like quite a bit and you said that was specifically for which age groups? oh like so basically Canadians over the age like above 18 uh-huh if we're going into more specifics of like the age group so the age group that was most like affected right uh with like anxiety anxiety so like moderate to severe anxiety um is the age group I'm blind, sorry. Um, 18 to like 39 year olds, right? Yeah. So the at a like age group is the most affected by it with, again, blind, uh, 31.2%. And like that was at the beginning of like May. And then like in December, it was like 33% or so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then there's like also they have those who are above the ages of 60 with like around 16% reporting. And then... Those between the ages of 40 to 59 reporting about, like, 27%. Yeah. So that itself. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like, the effects on, like, specific minority populations, like yeah. the LGBT community or just, like, uh, the, the people of color mm-hmm. or, like, the black community or anything like that. Just Oh, yeah, that would like, be really interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think that would be very, very cool. But this is what they did. Yeah. Another thing that's interesting about it, so one thing that I found statistic-related was um, an article that was published by Scientific American. So it looked at uh, young people specifically and uh, like their feelings of loneliness during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And um, it was actually found that, I'm just pulling up my statistics as well. So in a 2020 survey that was conducted during this uh, pandemic um, last year, uh, it found that 71% of millennials and almost 80% of Gen Z, so Generation Z yeah. respondents, so the people who contributed to the survey, yeah. felt feelings of loneliness. And that kind of goes back to two things. One, like I guess that just shows dis- not disparities, but yeah. like discrepancies in um, the population that's collected, like the, the population that they used to collect the data from. Like the sample size? The sample size, yeah. yes. And the population and demographic itself because yeah. for you it was saying it was hovering around like 20 to 30 percent for the most part yeah honestly at the same time like it's also how they're taking the surveys too yeah know? like i don't remember answering any survey like over the pandemic yeah so this is probably just like their sample size is probably different from that sample yeah because this one here oh man you're talking about loneliness right yeah mine is specifically talking about loneliness so, so that felt by young people so in the like the cam age survey they had people reporting around like 28 percent between the age group of like 18 to 39 year olds okay yeah reporting loneliness that's still crazy though but it just goes back to the idea of like that and also um i just had a brain fart but it goes back to that idea like with young people specifically entering university like not having that ability to interact with your peers yeah. on like a personal like face-to-face level yeah like it kind of poses a barrier between uh being able to develop those deep and meaningful relationships mm-hmm. with people but like you know what i mean like no yeah like it makes like you know what we're talking about like welcome week 
at Mac, right? Yeah. Um. So like for me, Frosh Week mm-hmm. that I had, like that was where I swear that was the only place I made friends. Like any, I didn't really make like friends friends afterwards. Like yeah, I had a few people I met in the courses or whatever, mm-hmm. but not like I just forgot what I was saying. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You meet like a group of people like couple of people later but like you met that group of people that you like hung out yeah like you hang out now from like the rest like of your university career with them like during that week that beginning of the week so like a lot of like high school students who were transitioning into university Mm -hmm. but everything being online like you did the online welcome week right uh yeah it was a welcome week wrap this year yeah yeah so then like with that like yeah there was a whole like getting to know but it's virtual like it's not the same yeah like people when you have the option of turning off your camera and muting yourself it's a lot easier to do that online than doing that in person yeah so a lot of people i remember did resort to that it was always a little bit of a push to try to get people Mm. to turn on their cameras but to be fair like to be honest i'd probably do that as well yeah let alone i probably wouldn't even join those events if i was back in first year i'd be like "Eh." you know yeah like yeah whatever but people that did turn out kudos to them if you end up watching this i doubt you will <laughs> two viewers that will end up seeing these videos two viewers at home. <laughs> thanks thanks guys um but no yeah like that makes sense like it i it definitely makes sense for like why people in uni are feeling the isolation and just like you know that whole like being by yourself and mm-hmm. just kind of having to deal figure things out by yourself because i remember like even like when you're on campus, you turn to the person next to you and be like, yo, what did the prof say? Or like, wait, wait, what? What's <laughs> you're going not on? listening, you can just be like, okay, cool, okay, thanks. Cool. Wait, wait, we have a test? Like, it's a, wait, what? Like, it, you have someone to rely on. What, we've started? <laughs> wait, we're already two weeks into the course. <laughs> Oops. So stuff like that. Like, everything's just virtual now. It's not the same. You can't have those personal connections or those personal conversations. Yeah. And it's like, there's so much. You, it's only so much of a connection you can form yeah. virtually or on Zoom. Can I, okay, I, w- I want to read this passage that was from the article okay. that I read because it draws, like, an interesting analogy from, like, we say starving as a way to describe, um, like, hunger mm-hmm. and feelings of, like, sati- satiation mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I'm going to, like, read this. So, uh, one study, for example, found that when mice, a social creature like us, are forced to live in cages by themselves, it changes their, bra- their brain's basic architecture and causes nerve cells to shrink. A more recent study of the of what social distancing during the pandemic has been doing to humans identified that the neural underpinnings associated with isolation are similar to those of physical hunger. To say you're starving for contact isn't far from the reality of what's happening in your body in a neurological basis. Oh wow. Like that's an interesting parallel though. Like you're so like heavily deprived of physical like human contact. Mm. Like, for people that are fortunate enough to be, like, in relationships or have, like, already established uh, deep friendships Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, like... To an extent, it's okay. But, like, I can also, like, look back at the year and just see, like, the friends that I were, like, friends, friends with. I'm no longer, like, like, still as close, right? It's interesting. Like, that brings up an interesting conversation. Like, the people that, like, who's been there this year? You know what I mean? Yeah, my dogs. <laughs> my dogs, my cat, my chalky little boy. Yeah, the puppies that came and then goodbye. Yeah, beautiful puppies. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was actually like a TikTok trend thing. Uh-huh. Or it was like to see if like you're lacking like contact or whatever. It's like to like 
basically cross your arms and like touch your face and like close your eyes and see how it makes you feel, right? I mean, I'm I, you gotta close it and like some people feel like just so like at ease with it and yeah. then you realize, wow, like I have not had contact with people and like, oh, I've not like touched a person. <laughs> I have not touched a person in a while. <laughs> I have not seen a human in four years. It's like, oh, it's been a while. But yeah, it's it's crazy. Like just thinking about it. Can I? I want to say another study. Yeah. That I found really interesting. Sorry to like cut you off there, no, but it's how kind of, rude. I'm well, good beginner. Get up and leave. <laughs> Bye. But um, it goes back to that idea of like how um, what's it called? Like how physical contact makes us feel, and how feelings of self isolation also feel. Like it's drawing. Like mm-hmm. it's comparing those. Yeah. So there was a study that was, this one's a little bit old. It was conducted in 1972 by... That's my dad was born that year. My mother was born that year. Wow. Maybe yeah. they know each other. Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So in 1972, there's this French scientist slash adventurer, Michel, I can't say his name. Siffret? Siffret. Siffret. Okay. Just because I say it in a French accent doesn't make it any better. <laughs> I mean, I'll take your word for it. But um, he basically, for his study, he trapped himself in this cave in Texas and wanted to study the effects of self-isolation on people. Mm-hmm. Um, he did it to himself, so obviously it's like not representative of everyone's experience when you're undergoing like extended isolation. Yeah. But um, anyways, he trapped himself in a, in a cave... And during the 205 days that he self-isolated himself in that cave, he took meticulous notes of, um, like, his behavioral changes and how he was feeling. Mm -hmm. And, like, it was crazy some of the stuff that he recorded, like, Mm -hmm. during that time period. There was this one uh, uh, passage that he wrote about, like, trying to befriend a mouse because, like, he was so starved and deprived of, like, any sort of contact. Yeah. It's kind of like, um... Ratatouille. (laughs) <laughs> sorry no <laughs> different diff- no <laughs> it's kind of like um so have you seen the movie castaway with tom hanks no so basically um in that movie he befriends a volleyball named and he names him wilson like the yeah. brand yeah <laughs> yeah and just tries to befriend that volleyball and like what tom hanks did in that movie and, like, everything that he went through while being alone on that island is yeah. not far off what this scientist found just mm-hmm. being self-isolated for 205 days. Wow. Obviously, like, for the most part, people in urban settings are not that deprived of um, contact. Yeah. But it just shows, like, the extent or, like, the extremes of what people endure when they're forced to self-isolate. Yeah. Without any sort of friendships or anything like That's that. True. To- keep them grounded and sane no yeah that's true i definitely think like the only reason we have not started you know befriending like inanimate objects is um because like i mean social media right yeah there's like things like that they're still like facetime right it's not the physical contact but at least it's better than just being in a cave with a rat Mm -hmm. right like i mean in mice sorry um but yeah like it's like we are kind of privileged that we're in a time Mm-hmm. With technology is kind of that advanced in yeah. setting, and that like 
I don't know about you, but I downloaded TikTok when pandemic was like, it got like when I started feeling really peak. like, yeah, yeah, it was like, at the peak and I was like isolated. I already was learning how to play like what grenade by Bruno Mars on my recorder. Like I already <laughs> did that. And I was just like, okay, like what else do I have? Right? Like I, I did like, I painted, I did all this stuff. Right. But then I'm like, I am not like, I want to see people. I want to hang out with people. At first I enjoyed it. Cause like, you know what? An introvert kind of like the whole being by myself, doing what I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, down with TikTok, I just remember seeing so many faces, and like, there's kind of like, aren't there like certain kind of uh, neurotransmitters or like chemicals that are released when you're on social media? Um, like dopamine and yeah. like endorphins oh, yeah. and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure that was released because I feel like so many people go on it just because you see people in a sense you get kind of like happy. Like, yeah, but then also like it creates that feeling of like missing out and mm-hmm. stuff like that because. Even though everyone's still in it together and at home. Together like, at home. Like, some people don't <laughs> some people don't have, like, the same opportunities that being at home grants other people. Yeah, I feel like... like sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay. I was going to say, like, different home situations, right? Like, yeah. that too. Like, some people have, like... They're, you have really good relationships for your families, right? That it's, like, it's kind of nice being at home and, like, mm-hmm. seeing all your siblings and just being all under one roof kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's some people who just don't have that, like, opportunity and they don't really have anywhere else to go. Yeah. In a place when it's like that. In a situation like such as the pandemic. Speaking of which, like, one thing that has really risen because people don't really have anywhere to go or anything to resort to mm-hmm. is drug addiction. Oh, wow. So, um, sorry, let me just pull up a study um, that I found. So, basically, near the beginning of the pandemic, the, um, I just want to get, get the name right. So the European Monitoring Center for Drugs and Addiction in so in Europe mm-hmm. and the National Interest Institute uh, on uh, Drug Abuse in the United States yeah. both started um, conducting like a lot of research really early at the beginning of the pandemic because mm-hmm. there was a lot of concerns about like uh, like vulnerable people oh, resorting yeah. to substance abuse or like or returning to substance abuse disorders during uh, uh, COVID-19 because, like, obviously those feelings of, like, depression and self-isolation, like, encourage you towards it when you have nowhere else to go. And, um, yeah, it it sort of found that two things. So, have you heard of the term, like, comorbidity? I've seen that word, but I'm not familiar. So, it's basically where, like, um, like, health isn't or not health but like specific diseases aren't just like individual like they're not one like no person or not no person but oftentimes when people get sick whether it be like a physical illness or like Mm -hmm. a mental illness yeah whenever that happens it's not like occurring in isolation it's not like oh i just have depression and nothing else okay it's like depression and anxiety and adding on to all that stuff all that stuff so there's like other diagnosis basically yeah pretty much yeah sorry if that was kind of a convoluted definition (laughs) but basically what they found was that like um people who um had pre-existing uh like conditions? conditions related to mental health uh, were more prone to resorting to uh, addiction and drug abuse. Yeah. And, like, even though, like, that sounds like just a study. Like, if you turn on the news almost every day, like, you'll hear about um, instances of drug addiction and overdosing. I know um, in Ontario specifically when, uh, within, I think, the first two months of the uh, pandemic, 
like starting and people being uh, yeah. told to quarantine and stay at home like drug um overdoses increased exponentially really and because people so especially with canada and the united states because the borders have been closed to an extent um it's harder for higher quality uh drugs to sort of oh, go across yeah. the border so um now what's being circulated on the streets is really low quality yeah. like synthetic opioids that um are just like far more harmful than what other like stuff that used to be around isn't it like what is it called fentanyl that fentanyl yeah oh, <laughs> i was like something fit something yeah so there's that. fentanyl methamphetamines um various opioids heroin um like the quality of them, not saying that their quality was good before, like at the end of the day, it's not <laughs> good for the body, yeah. but like the stuff that they've, uh, the chemicals that they've yeah. integrated and like embedded in these drugs have gotten so much worse. It's more toxic. It's more it? toxic. It's leading to far more overdoses. That's not good. Yeah. And it's just a devastating circumstance. Like when I, sorry. No, no, I was going to say, we don't need any more deaths than what we have with like the COVID-19 yeah. just being present. Yeah, it's it's devastating. Like I'm like that was one of the most striking things that I like learned about early on in yeah. the pan- pandemic, because um, everyone's affected by drug addiction to some extent. You might not know it, but you probably have a peer that has abused it in some sort of mm. like way. Yeah. So when I like heard about that, like that, like that hit home. I was like, wow, that's kind of it's crazy. Like just, I mean, it makes sense. When you think of it, like, you have nothing else to do, right? Like, yeah. at least when, like, the pandemic was not occurring, you had, you could keep yourself busy. And I feel like with addiction, it, that's, like, one of the major, um, like, advices people would give. Or just, yeah. like, keep yourself busy. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, if you're, when, when you're alone and with your own thoughts, that's when it, addiction kind of kicks in at yeah. its most. Like, to add on to that, like, one of the main reasons it's gotten really, really bad is because, um, so in Toronto, we have these, um, places where if people need to use drugs, Mm -hmm. if people, like, need to do whatever, like, there's places where you can go to, uh, like, like, self-injection sites, they're called, where there's, uh, nurses and different healthcare professionals that are present in those facilities, and they'll be there to make sure that like you don't OD on like whatever oh, you're wow on whatever you're taking or have some sort of bad reaction to the drug. Those, I'm not sure about how it is now or like the mm-hmm. like the situation with it. But throughout the pandemic, many of them have closed down because uh, like COVID, you're yeah. not allowed to have that level of contact. So. Wow. Yeah, instead of being in these uh, areas where you can make sure that, like, the needles are you're using are clean and sterile, like, you're doing it either on the streets yeah. or at your home, and oftentimes it's not as... It's not as safe. It's yeah, not, it's not... I mean, the drugs itself are not safe, but, like, the fact of, like, you know, there's COVID and then the drug addiction and just not doing it in the best way possible. And it leads to, like, so many... Like, it, it's so devastating it because it leads to so many other conditions, like, people who, um, like, use and, and abuse drugs are more prone to, like, they're considered, um, what's the term? Not immunocomp, like, they're basically, like, more vulnerable to the effects of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yeah. like, respiratory conditions, yeah. pulmonary conditions, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But, yeah. I just, that's sad. I just... It's kind of, it sucks because we're all in a situation that we can't, like, yes, we, to an extent, we are doing what we can, mm-hmm. like, the best to, like, stop the pandemic and 
whatever. But, like, no one saw this coming, right? Yeah. I mean, like, to... To an extent. The conspiracy theorists. <laughs> to an extent, right? There's, there's a video of um, Bill Gates, like, so... Did you say Bill Nye? <laughs> Bill Nye predicted COVID-19. <laughs> no. But, like, epidemiologists and, like, a lot of researchers, so epidemiologists, for those of you that don't know, are people that study, like, incidences of disease and, like, the origins and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Like, the pending, like, the... The idea that an, a pandemic or, like, a global disease would be coming soon wasn't, like, completely unknown. Like, MERS, so the Middle Eastern Respiratory uh, Syndrome, yeah, and then SARS um, as well. Like, those two, when they first, like, exploded back in, like, the early 2000s, mm-hmm. like, that really sound the alarm for a lot of global health organizations to start, like, doing something about, uh, like, developing proper policies and PPEs and all that kind of stuff to, like, mitigate the effects of, like, mm. looming pandemics yeah. that will inevitably occur yeah. um, in coming years. This is not the last pandemic, I hope. No, it's not <laughs> There's the first, more. and it's definitely not the last. Yeah. But it is predictable, to yeah, an extent. to an extent. It's ridiculous because back in the Spanish flu, back in 1918, like, the idea, like, the idea of wearing stuff like masks... And social distancing and self-isolation, like, all those ideas aren't new. Like, they've been around for literally hundreds, like, centuries to, like, prevent other pandemics. But it's so unfortunate when people just don't listen. And it just exacerbates, like, the other, like, the vulnerable people in our population. Like old people. Like old people. Oh, my God. Like those who um, endure drug addiction Young people, middle-aged people. All people. All people. Like, honestly, it sucks. I know, like, especially, like, working in a long-term care, like, it's sad, man. Like, some of them talk to me and are like, is my son coming today? Mm-hmm. Or, like, is my daughter coming today? And they can't, right? Like, you can't have any visitors. And it's so sad because some of them look at me and, because I, like, work on a dementia floor. And yeah. like, are you my granddaughter? Mm-hmm. Or, like, something, and it just, like, breaks my heart. And they're just like, Ugh. It's actually, it's so sad. Because they're also, like, not only are they more susceptible to COVID, but they're also, like, very susceptible to, like, the isolation that's occurring. Yeah. Like, I think there's a study, right? Um, there's a study they did on, like, nursing homes and stuff where basically the impact of social isolation and quarantine actually differs per situation and, like, person. So, let's say um, an elder had, like, an elderly person had... Um, a condition where they had to go outside, right? Yeah. And they needed to, like, exercise and do all that stuff. Definitely with the outbreak, it caused some, like, not only, like, physical issues, but also, like, mental issues where they're not able to, like, do what they're used to do. So, to... Sorry, did I cut you off? No, 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 no. I was so, just breathing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so the more we talk about it, the more, like, we get trapped in this really depressing narrative of everything that's been going on. Yeah. So, to, like, sort of ease away from all that sadness, like, what's one thing that we can take away from this in terms of, like, how we can help people? Mental health-wise? Mental health-wise, stuff like that. You know, check up on your friends virtually, guys. You Mm -hmm. know, like, to be honest, like, I... I'm gonna be honest, I don't check up on my friends. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, to be honest, no one checks up on me. But, but... But, like, you know, like, hit them, like, no, I, I lied. Like, I have, like, 
a friend or two kind of messages me and just like, hey, how are you doing? Just kind of like... Do you want me to do that more often? Yes, Ladia. Okay. Can we send me more memes? Okay. It's okay. I have my dogs, so I'm okay. Like, I have, like, a sort, like some sort of contact. It's not human contact, but, like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't mind. Um, but, yeah, check up on your friends. Like, honestly, like a, hey, how are you today? Or, like, what you do? It's also, it'll take, you know, make a person, it'll make a person's day or a week or a month. It's, yeah. Like, yeah. that's all I can really say. Do you have anything to say from, like, hopes from a scientific perspective mm. in terms of, like, treatments and stuff like that to help those that are feeling lonely? Well, there are. We will be adding links <laughs> down below. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Treatment-wise, like, I think everyone has a different way of coping, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. There's two... Th- I don't know if you found anything in, like, your research, but I found sort of, like, two prominent... Um, what's it called, like, studies that have been going on to, like, sort of address feelings of loneliness. So one is the efficacy of uh, telehealth. Sorry, I'm stuttering. Mm. So, like, telehealth is basically, like, virtual care. So rather than going in person, it's just converting, like, care that's normally in person to online and virtual resources. Yeah. So this could be done for telerehabilitation. So for people that say that, like, post-stroke, for example, mm. my research. We'll do a video on that one day. I love talking about it. Sorry, I kind of, like, deviated the conversation. We'll check out our next video. <laughs> next video. But, um, so there's that. But even from, like, a, uh, like, a therapy standpoint, like, switching to virtual forms of care, that's yeah. kind of difficult for those who don't have Wi-Fi oh, and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. But that's something that hopefully will be addressed. Another thing that I found really Mm-hmm. Sorry. So they did this. Um, sorry, I'm just looking at the study. Yeah. So there was a study done to uh, talk about or basically look at the effects of like isolation on the brain. And um, they uh, scientists studied this group of mice. Basically, they made them depressed and lonely. It sounds kind of like morbid, but yeah. they basically like isolated them and put them in cages just to see like for a few weeks to see like how their brains would respond to this loneliness and they found that um there's this neuro um there's a signaling neuropeptide called TAC2 and basically it um as it says very specifically here it basically plays a role in like divert like a wide range of cognitive functions um, mainly in which mediating like the behavioral effects of self-isolation. So there's a lot of hope and potential into researching this specific signaling neuropeptide mm-hmm. in order to uh, like address that. I s- explained that re- really weird. So basically in the mice that they found that there was a lot of these neuropeptides and after they've been isolated for a long time. So what researchers are now doing is a way to like inhibit those neuropeptides from like building up in the brain and creating medications and various uh, pharmaceutical drugs that like inhibits the production of it or the signaling yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Tap to, too, right? Yeah, to, to that. Pretty sure. But yeah, it's, I think that's like a positive way to end off. There's science is always changing yeah we're always learning new things mm-hmm. um, just because one thing is a certain way doesn't mean it can't change the next day mm-hmm. i'm really happy blah, 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 blah. i'm really <laughs> glad we had this discussion though because i learned a little bit that was cool me too and i hopefully 
for whoever the heck watches this. Our two viewers. And our two viewers, yeah. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks for watching. Here until the end. Thank you. Yeah. Yo. Yo. Stop it. <laughs> Get it up. <laughs> <laughs>